Thanks to all of you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. They don't have the boats that they want for this infrastructure madness. That is, that is now a fact. This is the 3.5 added to the 600 million, 4.1 trillion so-called human infrastructure plan. You know, the one that, oh, daycare is, child care is, is infrastructure and and early uh, pre-K is infrastructure and college is infrastructure and and guaranteed government everything is infrastructure. No, it's not infrastructure. And they just, you know, instead of calling it the new green deal, which is what it is, and socialism, which is what it is, they try to put different names around them. Uh, one report, Manchin now is expressing his most serious concerns yet about elements of this economic plan, if you even want to call it that. This is America's march to socialism this is so these are things we cannot afford these are things that your great 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 grandchildren will be paying for for the rest of their lives and this 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 appeals to this notion that government will take away every fear you may have in your life you'll have no more anxiety they are promising you things they can never fulfill the cradle to grave the womb to the tomb Call it socialism, Marxism, statism, authoritarianism. And every time it has been tried, every attempt, whatever name it's given, whatever manifestation it takes on, I don't care if it's communism, China, you know, Marxism, uh, socialism, and it, it always fails. The promises are never fulfilled. It ends up with more poverty. And then it's a matter of how much of your freedom did you surrender in the name of false security? Because it's false security. And, and this is where we now find ourselves. Now, what's amazing about this is, you know, every, every, everybody sees it's not getting through. Everybody notices, what has Joe Biden done successfully so far? Um, he took Donald Trump's what operation warp speed we were we're a million shots a day were already being given to people before joe biden ever got sworn into office is is he going to take credit for that barely mentions oh yeah donald trump made that happen uh as we've been discussing inflation and the dangers and what it means it is it it hurts the people that can least afford it the most because everything you pay for is costing more and then factor in the higher cost of energy at about about 25 extra per gallon, which is a lot of money for anybody. I hate paying more for gasoline when I was paying a dollar 25 less last year. I don't like it and I can afford it, but I don't like it. I don't want to pay more to heat my home. I don't want to pay more to cool my home. I want to pay less. I, I, I want to keep more of what I earn, which in New York is nearly impossible. Anyway, the C CEOs around the country, they're, they're seeing the danger. They're seeing this isn't a blip. They're seeing month after month inflation and the prices for goods and services are at this historic rise or pace of rising prices, a phenomenon that some said, well, it's only it's only a blip on the radar. OK, well, they said that four months ago. What are they saying now? Business executives that. They're being outspoken about this. They're giving their perspectives. And these are the guys that know the business leaders, business executives. They're in the they're in business to make a profit. 
They create goods and services that people want, need, and desire. And when their costs go up, when raw material costs go up, when fuel costs go up, well, they, they end up passing that higher cost on to we the people, the consumer. It's just the, nat- the, the natural way things unfold. You know, they're the ones that set the prices on what their businesses sell. And they're saying inflation is much worse than most people think. Even Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan Chase said it. He's their CEO. He said it on an er- earnings call two days ago. I think it's, it'll be a little, little worse than the Fed thinks. I don't think it's only temporary either. Policymakers are saying jobs are more important than consumerism. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, he said on CNBC, uh, these, you may not like these, quote, CEOs, but they're not stupid. They run successful companies that make huge amounts of money. This is going to probably lead to uh, systematically more inflation. These are smart guys. This, the economy matters to everybody. Executives are explicitly saying they're, they're raising prices that they charge customers. They're saying it. Um, for example, the, the Pepsi, uh, PepsiCo is what it's called, CFO, Chief Financial Officer. Got, guy, guy's name is Hugh Johnson, said on an earnings call Tuesday. Are we going to be pricing to deal with it? Yeah, we certainly are. Meaning he's going to raise prices. Doesn't really have a have, have a choice. Conagra, you know, the CEO there, a guy by the name of Sean Conley said, yeah, we have more pricing coming. And we've done at least one large price increase in early in the second quarter. And that was received fairly well, said the uh, fast and all CFO Holden Lewis on his earnings call. But based on what cost is doing, we'll have to go to market with some additional ones. In other words, they're raising prices. Who pays for that? You do. We do. We all pay for it. Um, now, some companies are not raising prices. Fresh Direct, their interim CEO, uh, said to Bloomberg, we're lowering prices on fresh items like berries and salmon and ground beef, but right now we're also absorbing inflation and not passing it along. Right now, keywords. Lowering prices can be a smart strategy, he's, he's suggesting amid rising costs if fresh direct is able to win more business all right so they're making a business calculation they might go in the other direction but that's not going to be able to they're not that won't last forever that's all there is to it um anyway uh you know just uh, pay attention to this you know everything what where's joe been successful he you know a million people were getting the shot every day the vaccine okay so he took over Trump's vaccine. All right, give him, I'll, I'll check. I'll give him a half a check. How's he done on the border? How's he done preventing COVID from getting into the country? I'd give him an F. How's he doing with open borders? An F. How's he doing with Russia, China, Iran, and problems worldwide? A big fat F on all of them. You know, Russia gets the pipeline waiver and Keystone XL pipeline workers get a pink slip. Gee, that makes sense. Well, I wonder if Joe's compromised. You know, China gets to threaten our military bases and Japan's military bases and talks openly about taking over Taiwan. And Joe says nothing. You know, Russia hacks us every other day and Joe says nothing. I had a a journalist on last night. This this poor woman is courageously speaking out about the 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 tyranny in, in Iran 
the number one state sponsor of terror. It was a kidnapping plot uncovered, and I give credit to rank-and-file FBI. Uh, They were able to get these people before they were able to kidnap this poor woman, ship her off to Venezuela, which was what the plan was, and then ship her off to Iran where she'd be dead. Thank God, you know, they were able to stop it. I mean, it's... These are unbelievable. Where's Joe's success? What has Joe done here that you're looking at that you can? Well, we're not energy independent anymore. We're paying a buck and a quarter more a gallon for gasoline. Tell me where he's successful. Because I can run off all of Donald Trump's successes. We did it many times during his presidency. And, you know, he built the wall. He made us energy independent. He got rid of more regulations than, you know, the last, you know, 20 presidents combined. He lowered taxes as he promised. He he used the list of for for putting judges on the bench that he said he would use. You know, the he he got tough and he got freer and fairer trade deals. Even got a freer and fairer trade deal with China that nobody thought he could get. We didn't have any problems with Putin and and his geopolitical ambitions now he's on the border again with ukraine what's going to happen there here we go again crimea here we come you know is what's joe going to do if if china takes over taiwan what are you going to do joe because president xi said he's going to blow your military uh bases to little bits and pieces and says that he'll unleash 1.5 billion chinese on any enemy that was right. That was directed right at you, Joe. Maybe somebody can interpret this and send it to Joe. It's there's nothing now that is going on as we now have three months, three record record Biden price increases. You know, if you look, for example, the Labor Department and producer producer prices spiked to the highest pace on record, according to the Labor Department. In April, it was up 6.2% on an annual basis, the highest jump ever recorded at that time. Then May beat it. It was 6.6%, the highest jump recorded at that time. And now in June, it's 7.3%, the new highest jump ever recorded in this time. And and Biden is rallying Democrats. We're going to get this done. And who, what happens? Who Whose agenda is this anyway? You know, human infrastructure. You know, you talk about infrastructure, roads, bridges, etc. Human infrastructure, free daycare. Human infrastructure, free college. Human infrastructure, college loan forgiveness. Human infrastructure, pay more for energy. Human infrastructure, down payment on all the Green New Deal madness. I'm sorry, 26, 26 after the hour. I was looking at the clock. Uh, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. House Republicans have now launched a probe into the shady deals by the Biden criminal syndicate family. Um, And the most recent thing is amazing, actually. I mean, imagine a Trump kid getting money from Russia and uh, Ukraine and Kazakhstan and a shopping spree with a Chinese national, 100 grand, a $1.5 billion deal, Bank of China, while while Trump is in office. Because that's what Zero Experience Hunter did. And now we know from having, for example... Um, Peter Schweitzer on this program, Jason Chaffetz and, and Devin Nunes were on Hannity last night. And I asked Devin Nunes, I said, well, you know, if, if the Trump family had gotten money from 
China, Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and the Bidens did all these things. Wouldn't we say investigate a conflict of interest? Where, where's your colleague, Adam, you know, the, the Schiff? Where is he? The congenital liar that he is. Now, here's a question. Now, the latest venture to make money from zero experience Hunter, his book barely sold 10,000 10, copies its first week. I mean, that's a disaster. Anyway, so his book was a total bomb, and he got paid, apparently, according to reports, millions. Now he's selling his art. If Hunter's art is that good to get 500000 and everything's going to be anonymous, I don't Well, who's going who's gonna to pay for this? Linda, you've, you've shown me paintings of your five-year-old son, Liam. I think Liam is a better painter than Hunter Biden. I think I mean, my dog is a better painter than Hunter Biden. If I can paint as good as Hunter Biden, let me tell you, it's not art. Because I have zero artistic ability. I don't have the patience to sit there. I, you know, maybe a little quick finger painting, you know, blah, 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 blah. I can't draw anything. Don't forget, you got a lesson coming. Oh, I'm sorry, you're breaking up on me. <laughs> All right, 25 to the top of the hour. New report, Business Insider, claiming Kamala Harris is such an erratic, dysfunctional boss. One of her staffers consulted a psychotherapist about the problem. This was actually in Politico. They reported uh, last month what they described as a tense workplace at the VP's White House operation, and it spread like wildfire among former aides to Harris, many of whom recognized themselves in the story. An ex-staffer telling Business Insider, one former Harris staffer forwarded the Politico report to their therapist with a note that read, rarely in life are we publicly vindicated. Ouch. A former staffer said they had been seeking therapy once they learned President Joe Biden picked Harris as his running mate to resolve trauma from the on-the-job abuse. Um, that's a quote endured when they worked for Harris. Insiders uh, Robin uh, Brabender spoke with 12 former Harris staffers about the office culture when Harris was San Francisco's att- district attorney. And California's attorney general and U.S. senator, several ex-staffers, described Harris as unpredictable. One said she had a habit of hanging up the phone on her staff. One told Insider that the attorney general's workplace was toxic and reactionary. Okay. Well, if uh, she's called into action because Joe has uh, more cognitive uh, issues, I guess that's what we can expect. Uh, we'll say this climate activists are hailing this, this 4.1 trillion. It's not three point. They already spent 600 million. So it's three, 4.1 trillion dollars that we can't afford infrastructure. It's all infrastructure, human infrastructure. You gotta be kidding me. Peter Ducey went toe to toe with uh, Jen Psaki circle back during Wednesday's briefing, challenging her on the hypocrisy surrounding Texas Democrats fleeing the state over this voter integrity measure and the administration's refusal to denounce the evils of communism that have ravaged the ravaged the Cuban people for 62 years. Ducey actually did his job as a reporter, challenged those in power. Uh, Saki found it amusing that his first question was quite serious as it touched on whether Biden had ever done what the Texas Democrats did about voting rights and Texas lawmakers come to Washington. Any examples of 36 years of Joe Biden just hopping on a train 
leaving town to avoid a vote that he knew he was going to lose. Saki replied, chuckling, welcome back. I don't see what's so funny about it. Then Ducey called out Saki's humorous dismissal, noting Biden's eye-popping assertion that voter integrity measures pose the greatest threat to American democracy since the Civil War. The next best question, by the way, is why didn't Joe ever change the laws in Delaware? Is anyone ever going to ask that question? Um, anyway, but it's in trouble. Um, I don't know how many of you have been following this, but this is quite disturbing to me. You have the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, issuing a formal standing invitation for the United Nations. I mentioned this yesterday to investigate systemic racism in America and American policing. Wait a minute. The same United Nations that has, you know, on, on human rights uh, councils, you know, countries with murdering dictators. Really? They're going to investigate the United States of America? You don't think that the genocide going on in China might be a little bit more important, a bigger priority? You know, you, you, we really want to outsource the United Nations, which we, we, we spend all of this money for. Why don't you let China pay for the United Nations? Put the United Nations, let it go to China. Let them have it. Let the Russians have it. Let Iran have it. I mean, we end up paying the money for it every time they have some U.N. event you know, it makes life in New York a living hell for everybody because you can't travel anywhere. It's unbelievable. Now we're inviting in the United States. By the way, one that has been virulently anti-Semitic at times and anti-American at other times. Unbelievable. United Nations. We fund the, the, the major list. They're going to probe U.S. racism. How about they go to Cuba and Venezuela and Iran and Russia and China. Let's start there. I mean, it's just like the apology tour of Obama. It's the same exact thing. You know, and, and then also, you know, this suggestion of Mayorkas. Yeah, if you come by sea, we're going to turn you away. Why? Because it, there's a, a high population of Cuban Americans that vote Republican. And that's why you're leaving the, the Mexico border open, because you think that the illegal immigrants there will vote Democrat. Why are you why would you have a, two sets of standards? You have open borders now down at our border and you just process people. You're ignoring the laws of the land. You're not upholding the laws of the land. You're processing people. You're you're aiding and abetting in their transportation to states all over the country and forcing states to then deal with, you know, people that haven't even been checked for covid in the middle of a pandemic. It's unbelievable. I mean, you just see it every day, what's happening. Biden's uh, namesake rest stop in Delaware, according to the Washington Free Beacon, is now a junkie-infested dump. I'm not making this up. If you've ever driven the I-95, driven from down I-95 to, say, Washington, D.C., You'd agree that rest areas are generally pretty clean, a lot of food options. It's a great excuse that I use to eat McDonald's, which I don't often eat, but I love. Something Linda should let her son do. But uh, one place to avoid, however, is Joe Biden's Welcome Center along I-95, 
Washington Free Beacon is uh, saying that um, apparently it's one of he Biden had said it's one of the most meaningful things to happen in his life. And it was once billed as a rest stop to the future. Um, the stop is now devolved into a dysfunctional dump, according to the Washington Free Beacon. The restrooms equipped with an overflowing used needle deposit box uh, were abnormally crowded during a midweek July trip to the Biden Welcome Center. This was likely due to the fact that only half the bathrooms were open and a majority of the stalls in open bathrooms were either out of service or too filthy for public use. Uh, near or the exit of the men's room sat a box for biomedical waste filled to the brim with hypodermic needles, which constitutes one of the more sanitary parts of the entire bathroom. Oh, good grief. Um, a lot has been noted here. You know, the group Black Lives Matter, and we make a distinction between the group and people that chanted Black Lives Matter after George Floyd, but the group Black Lives Matter, you know, the ones that chanted, what do we want, dead cops, when do we want them now? Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Uh, they have now, uh, you know, remember, praised by the Biden administration, supported by Democrats. They never spoke out against these radical groups uh, that were involved in some of the violence from last summer. Black Lives Matter posted a statement Wednesday blasting the United States and praising Cuba and Cuba's murdering communist dictatorship, Marxist dictatorship, uh, while the island was destabilized by historic protests. The statement posted on Instagram later tweeted and retweeted, blame the U.S. embargo, it's our fault, for the country's instability, and credited the Cuban government for historically granting black revolutionaries asylum. Senator Marco Rubio fired back the extortionist ring known as Black Lives Matters organization took a break today from shaking down corporations for millions and buying themselves mansions to share their support for the communist regime in Cuba. He was pretty pissed. Anyway, the group said Cuba had been an allied to oppressed peoples of African descent, praised the country's effort to protect black revolutionaries like uh, Sada Shakur, uh, convicted of being an accomplice in the 1973 slaying of a New Jersey state trooper who left behind a wife and three-year-old son. Yeah, Fidel Castro granted her asylum. She escaped from prison and fled to Cuba. Gallup shows Americans trust the police more and the media less. Does that surprise you, Gallup? Only 21% of respondents said they had a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers. New York Times, Washington Post is leading the way for all this confidence. 16% reported the same on television news. Television's worse. And despite the left-wing defund the police effort, yeah, they were the only institution listed in the survey to have gained confidence among the American people from last year. <laughs> Shows how out of touch Democrats are. We have more back-to-back -back mass shootings in Chicago or shall I say that's just a typical day? Joy, you know, now that we have the administration signing off on mandatory vaccinations, I, I have a hard time understanding mandatory vaccinations. Does not, I mean, do, I, and I'm pro-science. I'm pro-vaccine science. I've been warning. I don't want any one of you listening to my voice right now to get sick and to get sick and die. 
take this thing seriously. Got the, the Lambda variant, the Delta variant. And, you know, you've got to take it seriously. And if you have a cell phone, do your own research. You have more information at your fingertips than you'd ever imagine. It's called, you know, go to Yahoo or Google or which one do you like the best, Linda? I know you always like some other one. What, sure for browsers? DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Whatever DuckDuckGo is. It's the one that's not tracking you like all the other ones. Okay. Joy Behar says teens should be allowed to get COVID-19 vaccinations even if their ignorant parents don't give consent. Should teens take matters into their own hands if they feel they should get vaccinated in school? And it's allowed in Tennessee, by the way. Uh-huh. Well, you know, what we like to think we're smarter than our kids, but a lot of times the kids are smarter than their parents. I mean, I've experienced my daughter as having more sense than I had in various times in my life. And I think that these kids uh, should be allowed to make their own decisions, frankly. And I think that kids sometimes have the, should have the ability to do what the science is telling them to do. And a lot of kids, I mean, according to Dr. Fiscus, the Tennessee Department of Health has now been instructed to stop promoting vaccines of any kind for children. I mean, let's make measles great again. You know, bring back polio. Is that what they want to do in these states? Uh, these kids are at the mercy of these ignorant parents, in my opinion. And yes, they should be allowed to do it. Of course, the government knows better. How about, how about you talk, do your research, take it seriously, consult with your doctor or doctors. I don't know your medical history. I don't know if you have pre-existing conditions, a compromised immune system. I don't know if you have comorbidities. I don't know anything about your health. So how would I, how, I'm not in a position to tell you. I'm just telling you, take it seriously. Talk to your doctor, your doctors. Consult with medical professionals you trust and then make the decision that's right for you. Everybody knows it's available. Protests in France all over the place because of these health pass rules. And, you know, now that basically Joe Biden and Jen Psaki gave the nod for mandatory vaccination. Corporations should be allowed to say you can't come to work. You can't. Well, it's the opposite of what they told us. If you got the vaccine, you didn't have to worry. Why are they why are they not listening to the science? What about the people that had COVID? There's a lot of people that had it and recovered because the Cleveland Clinic says they don't need any vaccine. This is why I refuse to, to give into the pressure of me telling people what to do. I'm just telling you to be careful, be smart, take care of yourself. Listen, I, I, I know you're not even allowed to say it, but if you have extra weight, which I have had, I struggle with all the time. I love to eat. But I don't eat everything I want. I want to stay. I want to. I want to live as long as I can. I like to be around my kids. I don't want to. You know, I don't expect to live the longest life. But I mean, I want to live as long as I possibly can. And and we know that obesity and BMI, you know, play have a big impact on blood pressure, type two diabetes, heart heart attacks, strokes, etc. You know, you can read about all these things. Should spend time and, you know, I, maybe you hate working out. Go for a walk a half hour a day. That, that in and of itself has been proven to be worthwhile. Get some sun in your face, a little bit of God, and, you know, God's, you know, perfect church, the outdoors, right? Get a little spirit, cl clear your mind a little bit, say a prayer for the people you love. How's that? Hannity Health Advice, health tips.
from Hannity. You know, it's amazing. Everybody wants me to tell people what to do. And when I tell if I what if I told people, even if you got covid, you should get the vaccine. And then then the Cleveland Clinic comes out. I just said research. We put on doctors of all different points of view. Some I didn't even agree with just to get so to educate people to take this thing seriously. You can die. Too many people died. Be careful. Be smart. Research hard. Talk to the best doctors you know. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, we now have 17 states that are doing what I have been saying is the first step, the most important thing, and that's to bring integrity to our election process so every American can, can, can have confidence in election results. These are simple things. These are fundamental things. These are not things that, that I would think anybody would would disagree with. You know, Joe Biden is out there. Now he's literally uh, empowered his Department of Justice. I'd argue they even weaponized it to go after Georgia's new voting law. But Georgia has 17 days of early in-person voting in Delaware. His state has none. You know, in, in Georgia, you don't need an excuse to get a mail-in ballot. You need one in Delaware. There are no drop boxes in Delaware, but they're in every precinct in the great state of Georgia. Both states require voter ID. And Joe never in the 5,000 plus years he's represented Delaware ever lifted a finger to make voting more accessible to the people of Delaware. It's that simple. What a hypocrite. Why is Merrick Garland, the AG, going after Georgia with far more accessible voting opportunities for every Georgian and not going after Joe's restrictive state of Delaware? That just shows you how political this is. And that's weaponizing the Justice Department. That's a very dangerous thing. And it seems like all the states that might matter, they, they may be facing the same thing. Uh, we see what's happening in the great state of Texas. So I went over all the reforms in great specificity and detail last night. We talked about it with uh, Governor Greg Abbott of, of Texas and why these Democrats would rather fly to Washington on a private plane without a mask on, uh, you know, to... to so they can't have a quorum. Texas law does allow uh, the law enforcement in Texas uh, to escort them, if you will, to the chamber and close the door so they have a quorum. And once they have a quorum, this is going to happen. And it should happen. How is it these Democrats now are saying that Georgia's voting law is Jim Crow 2.0? What about Joe's state of Delaware? That's how hypocritical this all is. The, the state of Georgia cost them, estimates say, about $100 million because Joe Biden, Raphael Warnock, and Stacey Abrams were claiming it's Jim Crow 2.0. I mean, insinuating that the state of Georgia is racist. This is from a guy that partnered with the former Klansman to stop the integration of schools and, and busing because he didn't want public schools to be racial jungles. We're going to get lectures from Joe Biden on the issue of race. Now, all these states are, I've, I've identified five things, voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody uh, control, where people don't have any opportunity to tamper with ballots, updated voter rolls, and most states have statutory language that allows for partisan observers to observe the vote count. That means up close, all sides, all, all parties, and from start to finish. These are these, that's not onerous in any way. The one attorney general that has successfully defended his state's 
election laws at the U.S. Supreme Court. He's now running for Senate. He's the Attorney General of Arizona, Mark Burnovich. And when the Supreme Court upheld Arizona's common sense election integrity laws, 6-3 ruling that justices upheld the state's ability to administer elections and pass laws to protect the results. Today is a win if you believe in election integrity, the Attorney General said at the time. He joins us now. Mr. Attorney General, thanks for being with us. Also, Senate candidate, congratulations. Uh, if I was Thank Mark you, Kelly, I'd be very nervous today. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for everything you do. And as you just articulated once again, uh, there are common sense election integrity measures that every state should be enacting. And the hypocrisy of the Democrats is on full display when they have more restrictions and Joe Biden's home state of Delaware, states like New York, New Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. And yet they don't see those states or the Department of Justice doesn't go after them. They're going after states, swing states like Arizona and Texas and Georgia. You know, there was a AP study that came out and it was published in The Washington Post on April 29th of 2013. And the study showed that in both 2008 and 2012, that African-American voter turnout there, the rate of turnout exceeded the rate of turnout for white voters uh, for the first time. So this idea or this notion or this claim that without COVID emergency voting rules, uh, unsolicited mail-in ballots, ballot drop boxes, lack signature verification and and related regulations of making it harder for minorities to vote, that turned out not to be true. You know, the, the idiotic statement by Kamala Harris that if you live in a rural community, well, you don't have a Kinko's or an Office Depot how are you going to get, you know, how, how are we, we going to verify your driver's license? How about you take a picture of it on your cell phone? I mean, this is ridiculous. So anyway, um, I, I just think they're grasping for straws. Now, the only reason I can come up with why they might do this, Mr. Attorney General, is they have nefarious reasons. Absolutely, Sean. I think the left's hypocrisy and their motivations are on full display, because if they really cared, if Democratic leadership really had any shame or cared about voters, then why the heck aren't they urging Democratic states, where they control the legislature, to vote the way their lawyers sue? And what I mean by that is if you look at all these lawsuits, whether it was in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, where I stood up for election integrity, it's all about systematically targeting swing states or Republican states that actually have more generous voting laws than their liberal states do. In fact, we last week were at the Ninth Circuit arguing a case where the DNC sued us uh, because our ballot curing process up until uh, the Times closed poll, you have at that time to cure your mail-in ballot. But other states like New York don't even allow that, and yet they don't sue New York, but they're suing Arizona. And so the importance of that Brnovich v. DNC case is it is consistent with the Constitution, and it allows states to enact common-sense election integrity measures. And the false dichotomy, Sean, of the left is they're trying to say somehow we have to have voter participation or we have to have election integrity. And you know, and you've just articulated the things we can do, we can have both. We've seen voter um, turnout increase, but we also know that people have to have confidence in the results. So why can't we have signature verification requirements? Why can't we ensure that there's limitations on candidates and political parties, handling ballots? We need to update our voter rules so we aren't sending out ballots to people that maybe either don't want them or not, you know, change parties or maybe even deceased now. So there are a lot of things we should be doing, and instead the left is demagoguing this issue. 
And, you know, your point about Vice President Harris, that to me is the classic limousine liberal patronizing, um, you know, full D.C. swamp on display. These folks that live in comfortable gated communities, Pelosi, her and everything else, they don't care about rural America or Arizona. You know, they've got their walls to protect them. And honestly, I don't blame any American for moving out of the big cities because the Democratic mayors have let criminals run rampant and they're degrading the, the rule of law. No wonder why people are moving to the suburbs. Let me ask you about what's going on in your state of Arizona with this election audit. And I guess the, the president of the Senate is suggesting that the numbers that they're finding don't match up in Maricopa County. Uh, now, I think the Georgia Secretary of State, the guy that came up with this ridiculous uh, agreement after being sued, a consent agreement with the Democratic Party of Georgia and the Democratic National uh, Congressional Campaign Committee and Senatorial Campaign Committees. Anyway, he comes up where there were lax standards for mail-in ballots and very rigorous standards for in-person voting. And, and he signed on to that. I think there should be one standard myself. Now, Raffsenberger, they're doing an audit in Fulton County, and he is apparently they are discovering in, in Fulton County uh, where ballots were double counted. That's part of it. And even he himself is saying and he, he's been resistant from day one. But, you know, he's saying that the state board, you know, has the authority to make things happen. And that is a complete audit that, that they had double counted ballots that were discovered by an election integrity group there. If the numbers don't match up in this audit in Arizona, I mean, what happens in a case like that? I don't know. I don't see any law or any constitutional answer to that, these questions. If, in fact, these these audits turn uh, turn to flip a state in terms of who won the state. Well, two things, Sean. One is I'm a big believer in the Constitution and rule of law. And so when the Senate decided to do their audit, we filed a brief supporting the right to do so. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of noise and a lot of the media about how they're doing it, how they're not doing it. And I've said we need to be patient. We need to respect the separation of powers. Let the Senate do their audit, whether it's here or in Georgia or anywhere else. Let them come up with their results, and then we can make an analysis of what, what can or should or shouldn't happen. So the important thing is, let the process play out. We have supported the Senate's right to do an audit, and I think everyone wants to have confidence in the results. Second thing, I think this is important to emphasize, is the left, we know the left, prior to the 2020 elections, was causing all sorts of chaos via the courts. In Pennsylvania, where there was you know, different standards on how you would collect and when you would count you know, postmarks and ballots that came in. In Georgia, what you just said about signature verification. In Arizona alone, six different occasions in 2020, before the election, I had to go in and defend our laws. We had to file a lawsuit to stop the county recorder from sending out mail-in ballots to everyone during the presidential primary. We had to successfully defend this law on ballot curing, which now is up on the Ninth Circuit. Obviously, Brnovich v. DNC, when the Democratic National Committee tried to change the rules on how mail-in ballots would be accepted and what would happen without a precinct ballot. So there are a lot of things that happen where we need to be proactive. If you believe in the rule of law, if you believe in voter integrity, you can't let the Dems, you can't let the liberals use the courts to try to overturn the process. And honestly, shame on anybody. And I'm not trying to throw shade on anyone, but my goodness, if the left files a lawsuit and you sign off or you reach some
some sort of consent decree with them, you know, I would just assume you're being snookered by them because the left is all about raw power. You know this. And so if there's coming but up... But if the audits show that the numbers don't match and that the counting was done fraudulently in, in whatever way and and I don't I all I'm all I'm hearing is is that they're discovering problems in Georgia and in Arizona is there any remedy for such a thing if in fact there w- would be enough in these very close states to change the result well, Sean, the, the short answer is let's wait and see. I learned a long time ago as a prosecutor to wait till you get all the facts and the evidence in front of you before making a determination what should or shouldn't happen. But the important thing for now is we want to make sure everyone has confidence in the results in the process, and if we can act, enact and defend common sense election integrity measures, that's exactly what we should be doing. But I think everyone, and I, t- I urge folks here, let's be patient until the audit is complete and we get all the facts and the evidence and then and instead of speculating or you know we can all make then a determination as to what did or didn't happen and then we can find out well, what we should or shouldn't do uh all right well we really appreciate it we're watching this case very closely how's the senate race going um, I think it's going excellent, Sean. You know, we've since last time I was on, we've kind of made the website a little easier to find because of your advice. So, mbforaz.com. You can go to that and find out all more about it if anyone wants to know. What What is your website again? Because you know it's still not the best one. But go ahead. <laughs> I, I, you can go mark b for az m a r k b for az dot com or mb for az dot com. All right, we appreciate it. You're going great, Sean. It's tough. Uh, it's like I'm taking on the Death Star, so I'm doing everything I can. We really appreciate you being with us for following your race very closely. A lot of important Senate races going on this year. 800 941 Sean is our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, we got time for a quick call here as we say hi to Michael, is in Iowa. Uh, Michael, how are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm doing very good. Yourself? I'm good. What's going on? Well, I wanted to talk about the. Texas Democrats who decide to leave instead of doing their job. What I'd like to know is, are one, is there any way their pay can be suspended while they're not doing their job? Because Governor Abbott said he can keep calling special session after special session, and they better be ready to be gone a year, or they will be arrested when they come back to Texas and made to do their job. But why are we, why are uh, taxpayers paying them? And also, I want to say that they should have lose all access to any public funds because taxpayers shouldn't be paying for this trip. They should be paying for this out of their own pockets. And I'd like to see the fact they need to be fined for every day they're not there doing their job. That the voters. I agree. They shouldn't be paid. Uh, You know, I found that interesting. I I I wanted to get the. I wanted to hear directly from the governor himself, which is why we put him on TV last night. And when they do fly back, they they the law requires that they get escorted to the uh, house and the house doors get locked and a quorum will be called and the vote will take place because that is their sworn duty. Uh, If you don't like that law, I guess you'll have to change that, too. But if they want to stay out of uh, Texas for the rest of the year, they can, because Governor Abbott was pretty firm last night that if they don't come back by 30 days, he'll call another special session. They don't come back after 30 days again, they don't call another special session. By the time they stay in Washington all that time, they'll be paying Washington, D.C. taxes. Good for them. I hope they're prepared to pay it. 
Anyway, 800-941-SHAWN, our toll-free number. We'll get to your calls straight ahead when we come back. We'll also talk to a best-selling author, uh, 23 Minutes in Hell. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SHAWN, if you want to be a part of the program. Jason was bringing up, uh, and throw up your microphone, Jason. Um, Now, uh, I know he played for the Seahawks, Richard Sherman, and I guess he's being accused of some type of domestic abuse. I don't know anything other. What are the details in the case? Uh, it's it's a case of domestic battery with his wife. Okay, and so he was arrested. Uh, there's a nine one one call of I guess from Sherman's wife. Her name is Ashley Moss, and you said that it's over the top. What were you saying about it? Uh, it's it's. This whole thing is really less about what Richard Sherman did and how the 911 operator uh, handled herself while she was talking to while she was talking to Ashley Moss. Yeah, but by the way, Jason is like our sports guru on the program. He's he probably the most knowledgeable of everybody on the staff when it comes to anything sports related. Uh, but that stood out to you. I have not heard it. So, all right, why don't I hear it with the audience? Play it. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, I, I need I need officers to my house now. My husband is drunk and blizzard. Richard, please stop! Richard, please stop! Please stop! Is that a sedan SUV? It's, a, it's just a black sedan Mercedes SUV. Okay. He's not going to be able to get out the gate. I cut it off. What do you mean you cut it off? I cut the gate. We live behind it. It's, it's Richard Sherman. Like, ma'am, I, this is like a f- emergency. I need officers hey, here now. To me. I'm handling this. You need to stop telling me that. Okay, but what I'm not going to slow help down. Talking to me is not going to slow help down. Okay, well, what I need to know is that he What's is your not, name? My name is Ashley Sherman. Do you know what his date of birth is? 338 Okay, slow down so I can understand you. What's the date of birth? March 30th, 1988. Um, wow. I don't look, obviously she's very upset. I mean, and but I think could have used a the, little more compassion. Yeah, I mean that, that Not a lecture. She, yeah, I mean it's it somewhat argumentative in, in the middle of this call. It sounds like a disaster is unfolding there. And I thought that when you called 911, they immediately trace your call, don't they? I thought that was standard. Linda, I thought they would trace a call, wouldn't they? Yeah, standard protocol is that they are, while you're on the phone, they are geo-targeting, they are locating you, they right, are getting and send, all of the and details. and dispatching police, right? That's correct. But here's the problem that I don't understand. It's like, you clearly have someone who's very upset. The first thing you're going to say, ma'am, I'm here to help you. Please, I want to do everything I can to help you. Take a deep breath. Let's do this together. You know, that's how you talk to somebody in duress, thinking that their husband is going to go out and kill themselves. She is petrified that he's going to harm himself or someone else. And she's trying to do the right thing. And this woman is like getting testy with her. I'm like, if you're going to get testy with someone because they're upset, maybe you shouldn't be answering 911 calls. Just a thought. I'm just putting it out there. And I'm not trying to understand what anybody's job is. That's how people are going to call you. The amount Very of upset training that fast. you must have. I mean, honestly, because you're dealing in many of these cases, like it almost sounds life, life. It sounds like life and death to me. Right. I mean, to her, she, it was that. she is she is absolutely terrified. And by the by all accounts, justifiably. And um, and I, I, I don't know what the other details of what happened here is, but it sounds like this guy needs some serious help. 
big time. It sounds like they need and some it was serious so, help. And at that moment, they needed to get cops there sooner than later. Yes, 100%. And I think when you're saying to somebody, I'm in fear that he will hurt himself. Yeah. I'm in fear that he will hurt someone. Well, when you say that uh, he was trying to fight, that's different than fighting. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are yeah, you parsing it, with her? This is I not know, the time to not, parse words. The, it, all right, ma'am, I need your name, your address. Give me the address so I can get people there right away. I and know, then just I know say you're upset. to her. Stay on the phone. I would say stay on the phone Stay with, with me. me. Stay with me. Right. I want to be. Right. These are right. all the things that you say. Like, I just am like, what? In the, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like when you say to people, like you see somebody getting mugged or you see somebody getting hurt. And then in the videos that we watch every day now, you see passersby just, they just keep on walking. Not I, my problem. I, I don't understand. I'm it. like, where is the humanity? I, I just don't I, get it. I, I I think everybody's afraid. I really do. You know, I I've told this story before. I don't. I haven't told it that often. Um, but I really realized the power of radio. I was in Atlanta. I was a local host at the time, and I had this guy. It was a regular caller. Um, and he called in, and you know, I he said, "Hey, Hannity, I just wanted to say, uh." Uh, goodbye. I'm checking out and, uh, I want to, you know, enjoyed being on your show all the times I called in, et cetera. So I said, well, what's up? What are you doing? You moving? You going here, there? And then he said, no. And I'm like, okay, we long story short, I get him to admit, you know, he had, he taken pills. He like drank a quart of vodka. Um, and he was basically telling me that this was his last call. He was going to kill He's killing himself. And my program director, you know Sluggo, Eric Seidel, of course, immediately yeah. calls the control room and says, do not take a break. Keep this guy on the line and get his location, like, which I was trying to do. Finally, I was, you know, I start talking about your family. I said, listen, life's worth living. I want you to call this program again. I want you to be my friend. I want you to stay around. You have kids. You have family. You have people that love you. I said, well, you can get over this hump. We all hit rough days in life. You know, just doing my best. I'm not a, this is not my wheelhouse. And he eventually gave his location. And this is the, the beautiful part is within less than a minute, cars, one after another, dozens of them descended on the area, including an ambulance that was listening. The story turned out to be true. He had, he had taken all these pills. He would have died that day. And, you know, I, sometimes it just, when I think about it now, maybe about a year or so later, he called back in and he checked in with us and he's doing fine. And he said, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. And if there's anything we could ever do to help you, if, if something's going on, just call us, call your friends, reach out to somebody, a pastor, a friend, anybody, you know, go get help. Don't be afraid. You know, there's actually strength in asking for help sometimes. You know, people think it's weakness. You know what? It's not weakness. It's actually strength. You know, there's the one of my favorite self-help books is um, The Road Less Travel by M. Scott Peck. He's a doctor. And it starts out the first line in the book is life is difficult. Everybody thinks that, oh, well, I, you know, my life's the hardest. Everybody has trials and tribulations and stress and pressure of life. We all do. And that's why we have pastors and and. That's why we have friends and family. You know, when things get tough is when it really matters in life. You know, I say this to my kids all the time. I said, you know, when things get tough, I'm the one that's going to be there. And I, you know, you know, my lecture, you, you could actually probably um, 
by rote, give my lectures about, I'm not your friend. Let me just tell you right now, I am not your friend. I'm your father. One day I hope we can be best friends, but not now. And it's my job to keep you safe. It's my job to make sure you don't get hurt in, in any way, ever, under any circumstances. Uh, let's get to our busy phones here. Let's say hi to Leslie's in the great state of Alabama. What's happening, Leslie? I spent two wonderful years in, in Huntsville, Alabama. What's going on? Hey, that's where I am right now. I've been here for almost 14 now. Wow. I'm a uh, transplant, like, probably 90%. Let me of guess. Redstone here. Arsenal. I'm just guessing. I'm eight miles north, yes. My husband <laughs> works there. Um, yeah. Not and, hard to uh, figure actually, out. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. I actually grew up out west, but, uh, you know, there's a beauty to the two words, dry heat, when they're used together. <laughs> when you come out here, <laughs> yeah, it's just oppressive, and I—I I don't know when you ever. You know, me. I learned to love it down there. I—I I and it was such a culture shock for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I grew up in a really congested neighborhood, and you know, open field. I never saw a cotton field before in my life. For example, oh, I never saw. I a, you know, yeah. you know. I remember going out there one day, and and you realize. You know how thank god for the cotton gin as they say but more importantly wow how hard a job it is for farmers that and they do a lot of farming down there and and how amazing the people were you know it's it's really god faith family and country and there's like a church on every other block yeah it really is and 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 no matter the denomination that you are part of you can have those conversations and you can openly talk about your beliefs your convictions um, and not fear anybody looking at you like, you know, you're saying something improper. No, my really the guy that hired me was a guy by the name of Dave Stone. He ran the station. The owner of mm -hmm. the station, uh, Dave, we lost. Uh, you know, he died way too young. He was a dear friend of mine. And the owner was a guy by the name of Bill Donovan. I'm, I'm still friends with every boss I've ever had. And I I wouldn't it? be here today, but they gave me these opportunities. I complain how much money I made and was paid for. You know, I give Sluggo in Atlanta a hard time, and I kid Bill Donovan about it, too. But if it wasn't for those opportunities to, you know, develop this craft, I wouldn't be here. But I'm talking too much. You go. Oh, no, no. I just wondered what station were you at? Uh, WVNN, Huntsville, Athens, Decatur. Okay. Yep, I know, the, I know that one. Um, so being here in the South... Here, the, the religion is clearly football, and you said that yesterday. And I know that those that aren't from the South probably think that we're lunatics, and we are. And, you know, we'll pass each other in the grocery stores, and if somebody's wearing an Auburn hat, you know, you, you cut your eyes at them. And if you see somebody wearing an Alabama hat, you yell, roll Oh, it's, it's, it's hardcore, man. It is. Uh, oh, you yeah. don't know until you're there. You don't exactly. know. And, mm -hmm. it, and, we take and I learned very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And we so we have what's called a family divided. We have some of my husband's family that attended Auburn, and then he and I and some of our, the other half of the family is uh, Crimson Tide fans. But, you know, we get together. We watch the Iron Bowl together. We have a blast. We are on different spectrums of the political view, but our, our sports don't bring your political whatever into the sports because those are two different platforms. And I'm watching a sport because I enjoy the contest of it. I enjoy the the um, the ferocity and it's the, you know, fun. trash Pre talk and yeah. I mean, right. If you're tailgating, I mean, it's fun. I mean, I'm not the biggest is. tailgate guy. I mean, 
Um, oh my gosh, you know, but, Sean, you need but, to come but down when you're and with friends. Right. Listen, I've been, a t- and that's another cool thing. You're right. When you tailgate, you know, there's there's so many people, and they're sharing food, they're sharing beer, they're sharing. You know, you you just pumped up and jazzed for the game. It's just a big party. It's fun. You're not talking politics. You know, everyone's talking Alabama sports. Uh, some of the highest rated stations in Alabama, they're sports stations. I remember meeting Eli Gold once. I mean, I've, I mean, he's like a god down there because he used to do uh, Alabama football play-by-play and, and NASCAR. I mean, it's such a, he was a cool guy and an awesome set of pipes. He was a great broadcaster. And, you know, there's some really cool people down there. But I'll tell you this, though. This competition between Alabama and Auburn, it's kind of over because Nick Saban is just a cut above. I mean, he's 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 the modern day Bear Bryant. Oh, absolutely. He is. He is our he absolutely is. Bear Bryant was amazing. He actually was um, the coach that I started watching Alabama football when I lived out west. But, um, yeah, Saban is just, you know, he's he's I don't know what he says. Uh, th- th- this guy's got magic. He, yeah, he's the he best recruiter. He brings the best out of his players. He's a winner and competitive as hell. And I just admire him. Um, and, you know, then there's rivalries with Clemson and other places. But, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you, football in Alabama, it is a religion. Um, it, 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 and it's fun. I went to Alabama games. Um, and I didn't have that college experience cause I had to work. I mean, I, I was paying my own way through college. I did not have the experience that every one of my friends have had. And that's the one thing that I am grateful for that I, I have provided for my children, my kids, because it, it's like, I felt like everybody that tells their story about their school and the, their time away and their friends they made for life. I mean, you know, if I showed up at class, it was a miracle. And I was, you know, tending bar till 4.30 in the morning and just to pay my way through school. And then I still didn't have enough money to stay in school. And and I was a good student. I always got good grades. But um, I it was just a different situation. My parents wanted to help, but I knew they didn't have the money. So I just did it on my own. But it made, I think it made me a better person. Stronger, independent, resilient, and... Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to do all these things. Uh, anyway, love the call, Leslie. God bless you. Good luck to Nick Saban and uh, Bama. Roll Tide. Appreciate you uh, joining us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Quick break. Right back. All right. News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. Glad you're with us. Sean Hannity's show. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Um, I don't know about all of you, but I am fascinated completely riveted by stories of near-death experience or 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 those that have had near-death experiences um i've read every book that is possibly written out there about it and and it's amazing the the consistency that you you have when you when people tell their stories for example don piper wrote the book 90 minutes in heaven and it's a phenomenal book. Um, and, you know, people talk about the, 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 the light, the sense of peace that they've never felt in their life. They talk about their life, the entire life in seconds flashing before their eyes, every possible memory in their life. They talk about um, being drawn to the light. They talk about meeting loved ones. They talk about choirs of angels where not only are 
the angels singing, you know, uh, in unison, but there are levels of singing where you can not only hear, you know, one group of angels, but another group of angels, and then another group of angels, and even describing pearly gates, that there are real pearly gates in, in what we imagine to be heaven. And at some point, usually they're told it's not your time, and they're, they're sent back, and most people say they don't want to go back. Um, am I saying that I want to die? No, I, I, I want to live a long life if I can. And it's just phenomenal. There are many, many other cases that have been discussed and talked about. Uh, over the years, I've read other books, too. For example, you can read the Bible. The Bible talks about heaven and hell. Jesus on the cross says to uh, one of the, the other two people that are there, one says, I deserve this, you don't. And Jesus says to him, this day you will be with me in paradise. And he talks about his heaven. Where I go, you can't come, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. The whole let not your heart be troubled verse in the Bible that I often quote. Anyway, I've read Dante's Inferno and the circles of hell. And it is a chilling account of what life completely separated from God would be like. Um, And I came across this book, Bill Weiss is his name. He had an out-of-body experience, and he talks about this in his book. He was a Christian for 28 years. He he calls it a vision. It was not a near-death experience. Um, And anyway, he felt an urgency to study this and write about it after he went through this, and he joins us now. Um, How are you? By the way, this is a best-selling book. It's called 23 Minutes in Hell. Uh, I got my copy. You can get it on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Uh, Bill, welcome to the program. Sean, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. All right. So this was not a near-death experience, but it sounds like a near-death experience, and it sounds like you were taken to the dark side, straight into hell, and you give a very vivid description of what you saw. Tell us. Right. This was, like you said, an out-of-body experience that's classified as a vision in the Bible. In Second Corinthians 12, 2, Paul, when he was caught up in heaven in a vision, he just said whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord showed me that I left my body. And, um, you know, I've never asked for a vision before. I've never studied the talk of, of hell before this. And I've never gone to dark movies. I've never drank. I've never taken drugs. It was not a result of any of that, just a God's sovereign will to show me this place. I was a real estate broker for 35 years with my own company, minding my own business. Uh, a Christian going to church and so forth, love the Lord. But um, this happened totally unexpectedly. And I was walking through the living room to get a glass of water. And suddenly I was pulled out of my body. And I found myself tumbling through the air down this long tunnel. And I landed actually on a stone floor in a, a dungeon in hell. I had no idea how I got there, why I was there. I was fully awakened, cognizant. How did you know it was enormous- hell? You just knew it was hell. And the heat was far beyond the ability to sustain life. Uh, that was the first reason I knew. The second reason I saw these demonic creatures that were the most hideous-looking beasts, like, not like an animal, not human, uh, reptilish in appearance. They were blaspheming and cursing God. Uh, they had the most ferocious demeanor about them. Uh, I knew I was completely alone and lost in this place. I already knew it was hell. I was taken out of this prison cell, placed over next to this large, raging pit of fire. And this pit was about a mile across. I just understood that, and there were, I saw hundreds, maybe thousands, I, I'm not sure how many, but in this pit, screaming and burning. 
And, Sean, it's the most horrible thing to see a person on fire. Uh, you could not distinguish a man from a woman. The screams were loud and deafening. You wanted to get away from that, but you couldn't. Uh, you're kept isolated and alone. You're by yourself for all eternity. And uh, I wanted to talk to somebody, but you've denied that. I understood I was down deep in the earth. I just had that understanding, and I knew there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment. But there's many scriptures for this. Everything I saw is already in the Bible. Uh, I wanted to talk to my wife. I knew I would never get that opportunity. Uh, the stench is the most foul, putrid, disgusting odors, like um, the worst open sewer, uh, burning Did flesh, you think this was your final salt. destiny? I did, because the Lord blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. He hid that fact from me. There's many scriptures I could give you, Luke 24:16, and many others that describe that. But the point was, he wanted me to experience what they feel. See, if I was there as a Christian, which I was, but I didn't realize, I would have known, praise God, he's getting me out of here. But he wanted me to feel what they feel, hopelessness. See, in life here, we, we don't really know what it's like to be hopeless. Uh, we, there, if, even if our situation is so painful, we can always die to get out of the pain. But in hell, they understand they'll never escape this place. I mean, there's no past. There's no future. There's only the present. And the present is is always and never-ending. Right. It's never-ending. But I don't know if it's any different at the time. It seemed like I was there 23 weeks instead of 23 minutes. Uh, the time seems to pass so slowly I, because you're in such pain. Uh, every part of your body is in agony. Um, you you, uh, you need to sleep in hell. You never get to go to sleep. You have no strength in your body, completely void of strength. Uh, demons have great strength. You can't defend yourself against them. Uh, you are burning in fire. Uh, you have your full memory. You think about your family up on the earth that you'll never see again, never get to say goodbye. Uh, extremely tormenting thoughts. There are maggots, snakes, and demons of all different sizes and shapes, twisted, deformed, and grotesque. Some only two and three feet tall, some 12 and 13 feet tall. Uh, there's scripture for all this, but, uh, you know, uh, that, this is what I saw. And again, the worst part, though, was the hopelessness, understanding you'll never get out. How did you figure out it was only 23 minutes? Well, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a glass of water. And then when I came back into my body, when I returned, I started screaming. And my screams woke up my wife. And the first thing she did is look at our digital clock, which read 323. So that's where the 23 comes from. And uh, you say, I look, was, I'm sure there are people saying, oh, this is total BS. And I'm, uh, I'm sure you've oh, dealt yeah. with this as you've, you told this story. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably don't care. It's sort of like there are people that hate me, and I really don't care. And but Well, you know, th- right. But I do believe in heaven and hell. Can I confirm that your story? No, it's impossible for me to confirm it. Do I believe in heaven and hell? I do. And do I believe that there is a message being sent to us for people that have near-death experiences and and describe the light and the tunnel and the music and the peace and and meeting loved ones that have already passed, etc.? I believe that, too. Um. And if you believe in heaven, why wouldn't you believe in hell? I think there's a lot of evil on this earth. In the last century alone, 100 million people were killed in the name of some governmental whatever, fanaticism, Mao, China. Uh, You can look at Stalin, Russia, Nazi Germany, fascism, Imperial Japan, Tojo, uh, the, 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 the killing fields of Cambodia, that it, anybody that murders an innocent person or harms a child in any way, that, isn't that evil in our time? Very evil, very evil. 
And, you know, I understand why people might not believe me, but I'm not here to convince them to believe me. I am just a signpost to point them to the Scriptures, and by those be persuaded. You know, Jesus talked about hell in 46 different verses, because that's what he saved us from. So it's not a message of condemnation. It's a message of love, because it's a message of warning. Hell really exists, just like the Bible said. Again, I'm just a signpost to point them to those Scriptures. Quick, do you feel that this is now your calling in life? that you've been called to tell this story and to warn people this is real and it's you don't want to end up here. Yes, I do, absolutely. And the Lord told me to go and tell people because a lot of churches aren't teaching the truth about hell today. They're teaching it. Well, so so go backwards all. a second. What do you mean the Lord told you? In prayer, you, you felt... That no, when I, when I was returning from this, the Lord showed up. Uh, I, I didn't see his face. I just saw the outline of a man in a bright light. And when Jesus shows up, Almighty God, you have no doubt in your mind who it is. I just fell at his feet, and I wept, and I, I, I went out, actually, and um, he touched me. And, you know, I said, Jesus, why did you send me this horrible place? Well, he answered eight different thoughts I had, but uh, I, I didn't see his face. What are the thoughts? No, who it is. Uh, well, one was, why did you send me this horrible place? And he said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. And that statement surprised me because I thought all Christians believe in hell, but we found out many believe in annihilationism or universalism or soul sleep, many false teachings. And he just wanted me to... By the way, I'm one of the Christians that, you know, or or an aspiring Christian that deserves hell. I I was an incorrigible person Mm -hmm. as a a kid to my parents, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, you know, it's not based on being good anyway. It's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ, so... Thank God none of us would make it because none of us are good. You see, I, you know, you see, second, I think there's a misconception, though, about Christianity and that, you know, to me, if you say you, you want to be a Christian and you're becoming a Christian, it means that you're admitting that you need help, that you want to be and are aspiring to be a better person and and following the the principles laid out in the Ten Commandments and the principles laid out in the New Testament and following God, the Father, Jesus' only begotten Son, and we're told that if you believe in Him, you'll never die. Right, but good is not the cause of salvation, it's the result. The good follows the salvation. Once None of us are good according to God's standard, but once we get born again, yes, our heart is we want to live righteous, we want to live holy, we want to live right before God. But our good works will not save us, because God's standard is much higher than ours. So we have to trust in what Jesus did on the cross, shed his blood, and forgave us of our sins if we repent. So that's the difference. Do you, when you speak to people, I know you go around the world, actually, don't you, at this point? And yes, I do. What are the most frequently asked questions of people? Well, you know, how can a loving God send a good person to hell? That's probably number one. But I explain, um, God is loving, and he's not sending anybody to hell. Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty seven, your own words will condemn you. See, because people say, you know, I don't believe Jesus is the only way. And then he said in Revelation 21, 8, all unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. So there's a warning. He just told you, if you don't believe him, that Jesus is the Son of God, he died for your sins, then your own words will condemn you. So God's not sending anybody. He's trying to keep people out of hell. You know, it's it's just fascinating to me. I do believe that this life, and this is my own analogy, is sort of like our body's a bridge between two worlds and good and evil. 
I mean, the story of the human experiences is when I look at, for example, the principle that we rights are endowed by a creator, not a thing, as Joe Biden says. Sorry, little politics. Um, But, you know, that we're endowed by our creator with inalienable rights, that rights come from God and not from man and not from government. And that I do believe that God created every man, woman and child and the experience for us on this earth if our choices are good and our choices are evil and and right. that therein lies the difference in finding the purpose for what you know what what did what talent did god give you and i think that's you can only find that in a free society that's where the intersection of politics and religion is for me and 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 you need certain things to to make that happen like law and order to pursue happiness um what do you say to people what is the most important last message you would give people that maybe, you know, maybe they're agnostic? I mean, there are people that are atheists. They say they don't believe in God. To me, if you're an atheist, you have to believe something comes from nothing. But if you're agnostic, you know, well, I'm open to the idea that there's a God. What do you say? Well, you just investigate the scriptures for yourself. I would say then you have to either say Jesus was a liar, a lunatic, or he's telling the truth. And he said in John fourteen six, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So you either believe him or you don't. And uh, so there's only one way to heaven, and why would you risk your eternal soul with your own opinion when the Word of God is proven, and there's no other religious leader that died for your sins and rose from the dead? All the other religious leaders are dead, but Jesus rose from the dead, and his grave has been, you know, his body has never been found. So uh, that's the important thing, is just to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and ask forgiveness for your sins. Uh, It's a fascinating story that you're telling, I will say that, and uh, I urge people, the book is called 23 Minutes in Hell, it's on Amazon.com, it's called 23 Minutes in Hell, and uh, we really appreciate you being with us. There's a great tune put out by um, Brooks and Dunn, uh, I Believe. And as I just find for myself, as I get older, you know, more and more, I believe the words written in red, as he says, when you have a, a Bible, the words of Jesus are written in red. Um, something to think about. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. All right, so Linda is, I, I don't want to give away too much information. Linda will not give me the name of her pastor. She's joined a church that she really loves. It's a, a Christian non-denominational church. Uh I have been wanting to talk to Linda's pastor about a number of issues, and she refuses to even give me. I said, I just want to reach out to him on a spiritual level, and I, even that doesn't work. Um, why are you so reluctant for me to talk to your pastor? Hmm, so many answers for this question. It is not really a good one. What if I want spiritual counseling from your pastor that you brag oh, about, okay. that you like so much, that you have over for dinner, blah, blah, blah? First of all, you went to seminary, so you're not going to anybody for spiritual guidance. You know the Bible backwards and forwards. This is my first time reading it. So you and I are on two different planes when it comes to that. Okay, but this is really transformative in your life. Like, for example, I ask questions, does your, does your pastor know how much you cuss? Because you cuss up a storm when you're not on the air. And we even have... So, okay, do you want to hear, hear a funny air. story? I'll I tell you a funny, funny story. story. Yeah. This is a funny story. So when I first found this church, (laughs) when I first found this church, I had gone to a bunch of other churches when I moved to this new area and nothing felt right. It just felt awful, you know? So I walk into this church and uh, the first time I went there, I actually have our friend Rose Tennant with us. She was staying with me for the weekend. So we walk in 
And it just had a vibe. Really cool. And uh, I come in and this guy looks at me and he goes, hey, how you doing? I said, good, how are you? He said, good, good. I said, okay. And he says, uh, it's your first time here? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, well, I'm the pastor. And I'm like, oh, oh, geez. I'm sorry, Father. It's nice to meet you. He goes, ah, a Catholic. <laughs> I was like, sorry, you sir. You the pastor, thank you. You know, because oh, I never sorry, had a pastor. Father. I've only That's ever hilarious. had a father, you know, because I'm, I'm Catholic. I'm Irish Catholic. Rose had you know? to be dying. Oh, she's hysterical. She's laughing the whole time because, you know, she's very religious and you know, right. really has been in her faith a long time and very in touch with her connection to God. So I said, I said, listen, Father, I just want to, sh I go, Pastor, Father, sorry. And he's just laughing. He's like, who are you? I said, I'm Linda. This is my son, Liam. Um, I just want to say up front that I'm sorry if I offend anybody. I'm divorced. Um, you know, I'm a single mom. And he looks at me oh, and he goes, geez. and he oh just starts God. going, I want to hear your you? whole life story. Go ahead. Wait, wait. First of all, that was like three seconds. It's not my whole life story. And he goes, uh, he goes, you're good here. We welcome all. You're in a safe space. Everything's fine. I'm like, okay, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. So I go, I sit down. Okay, fine. Fast forward to the next Sunday, I'm there, and I'm sitting next to this woman. And he was like on fire with his sermon. Just amazing. Katie's been to my church. She's met the pastor. She's like, he really is good. So he goes, we're sitting there, and, and he's like, man, he's really good. So we get to the end of the service, and I'm, this woman's sitting next to me. And I said, man, I, th I thought the, the service today was really good. What did you think? She goes, oh, I thought it was a little aggressive. And I was like, really? I was like, oh, I don't know. I thought he was really good. I like him. I think he's good. She goes, oh, yeah, that's good, because he's my husband. I'm like, oh, geez. I'm like, sorry. I, you know, and she starts laughing. And she's like, hey, it's nice to meet you. She introduces herself. I said, good thing I said I liked him, huh? She said, she just laughed. But they've been like that from go, you know? Right. And super welcoming. And I was there a couple weeks ago. We were putting meal pa packages together for the, the children of Guatemala. And they send these dry food packets. And the thing I like about this church is that we serve underserved communities both in America and internationally because, you know, I think a lot of people forget how many kids we that need food here in America. And so I, we're standing I, I was there. I shocked to learn in my town how many people during COVID were going to the hungry. food pantry. You, 100%. You know, the, the two friends of mine that are very active in it. Yep. And they're there all the time. And, yep. you know, they invite me to go. I just don't have time, but I donate money instead. And I'm like, well, here. And they, I was able to actually get them a new place to where they can store a lot more stuff, which was pretty cool. So great. Yeah, but, dry storage is really so important. Have, but, but does he know you cuss as much as you do? Let's go back yeah, to the main so, question. But he was making fun of me, so we're standing there, and we're putting these food packages together, and my, ta my particular table is short. So he's like, oh, I'm going to come over and talk to you for a little bit, and we'll pack some food together. And he says, oh, by the way, I heard Sean Hannity was asking about me the other day. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. And he goes, it's strange, but it seems he is unable to get in contact with me. And I was like, I don't know anything about that. And he goes, are you going to lie to your pastor? I was like, yeah. I would never lie to you. I may omit things, you know, and he starts laughing. And he goes, maybe I should just take a picture of you right now and text him. Because we had to wear like, it was like 98 degrees in the church parking lot. And we're all in, um, what do you call it, hairnets and gloves because you're handling food. And I was like, if you do that, I promise you, I will not treat you like a pastor when I react. And he starts laughing. But that's why I love him. Why, like, why, he, well, first of all, you have, you play Christian music. You're a great singer. I do. And I, I think you should music, be yeah. a part of the church. It's not a choir. It's a, it's like a band and it's modern mm -hmm. Christian music, which I happen to like. Mm -hmm. And, and I want you to sing in the church and I want to talk to them about. They actually have enough of those. And to be perfectly frank with you, you know, I just don't have the time in my life to devote to, to be in that, you know, that role in the you church. Need, maybe you, someday you need I will. Maybe one practice and it's over. No, they're really devoted. They get together a lot. They do a lot of practice, and they're awesome. Right. When and you show up, it's going to be better. Or you? No, you no, no. 
Your I'm happy to favorites. sing in the masses. I'm good. I love can it. Can I talk They're to the guy? Good. Can you let me talk to the guy? Give me the guy's think number. think about it. Maybe by Christmas. We'll see. Maybe by Christmas. Is that going to be my you know, Christmas You present? know who's a really good singer is Katie, and her dad used to sing in the church okay, choir, stop, and she stop, knows all stop the church trying music. to push, the, push this off on Katie when it's about you. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, man. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to our busy phones here as we check in with, let's say, hi to Trenton in Kansas. Trent, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hi, Sean. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. What's going on? Oh, um, well, I just wanted to touch on Kamala Harris's asinine comment about rural America and our inability to photocopy IDs or, um, you know, get to polls. And I live in extremely rural Kansas, um, a town of about 300 people. The biggest town within 100 miles of me is about 5,000 people. Um, And I can tell you from personal experience, um, as a rural American, if we want to vote, we'll find a way to vote. Uh, I mean, it's so the whole thing is so ridiculously insulting. Oh, they may not have an office depot or a Kinko's. And and so how are they going to send in their registration? I'm like, okay. You know what? We're not pathetic uh, human beings in the real world, and most of us function pretty well uh, without the nanny state of government holding our hand on election day. We could figure it out. And just Absolutely. what they don't want is voter ID, and and they just sound stupid with every excuse that they come up with. Um, absolutely, and and you know, let me tell you this: maybe not everybody in their house has a printer or a copier or things like that, but. Uh, in rural America, you know, we look after one another. We take care of our neighbors. So if you don't personally have one, I bet there's somebody around you that does that's willing to help you out. Uh, does everybody have a cell phone? Because you can take a picture of it. I mean, it's Absol- not that yeah. hard. Right. I, and, so, and that would be proof positive. Um, so, look, all this is is noise. And it's noise by people, and they, they're sounding dumber by the day. And now they got exposed. You know, they all said Jim Crow 2.0. They hurt the, the state of Georgia. They hurt minority businesses in, in Atlanta and surrounding areas, Cobb County, uh, by, losing the, by losing the All-Star game. And that's on them for their lies. Now they're empowering our Attorney General, Merrick Garland, and Merrick Garland is is now going after Georgia, but ignoring Delaware with more restrictive measures. No, it's insulting. And by the way, the majority of Americans of every race and every ethnicity and every background, they support voter ID. And this is another losing uh, policy that they have, like defunding the police. They're on the wrong side of that. Uh, like open borders, they're on the wrong side of that. The New Green Deal, they're on the wrong side of that with the American people. Packing the courts, they're on the wrong side of that issue. And, you know, they're just, they're losing. And and I don't really, uh, I, I, this is now an opportunity for Americans to actively change 
put integrity measures so we can have confidence in election results in place. Do it now. And then 2022, let's see how the American people react to new Green Deal-ism, socialism, open borders, and and energy dependence and every other issue that's screwing up. Never mind Russia, China, uh, Iran, and everything else that Joe's screwing up. I don't even know where Joe is. I don't think he knows what day of the week it is. That's my take. Um, Well, listen, Trent, you know what? I'm in a, in a lot of ways, and I'm not saying this, I'm, I'm being blunt and honest, you know, on the tougher days that I have, I'm like, why don't I just get the hell out of here? Why don't I just go and, and get some acreage, live on a ranch, live out in the wilderness, live off, you know, just get off the grid completely. I mean, is, there's something that I just admire about people like yourself that are resilient and independent and and you do your own thing and you live your life the way you obviously want to live it. I kind of admire it. I don't kind uh, of. I do admire it. I I came from a. You know, not not a big city by any means, but in can by Kansas standards, I came from the city out to rural Kansas, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. The people are great. Um, you know, the atmosphere is great. Nobody bothers you. You know, you could go about your own thing, and and you work to make a living, and you go home to your family, and you know, enjoy yourself. You know what? That's what America used to be more like. And I think in many ways, look, I, I, there's nothing appealing to me about the cities. Nothing. You know, I, people, well, what about Broadway? I said, okay, I can go to Broadway a, a night. I haven't been there in 25 years. Um, the restaurants, there are good restaurants everywhere. Um, every town, I ever, if you have a Waffle House and a Cracker Barrel, that's a good restaurant for me. Olive Garden, I'm cool with Olive Garden. I'm, you know, if you have an Outback, I'm cool with that too. You know, when I would take my kids on all these tournaments, I took them on all the years that they were in junior sports. I mean, I ate at all those places. And I love them. Just out, you know, and I had a great time. And I, that was the that was the, the important time that I needed to spend with my kids because I worked so hard during the week. And yeah. you know what? It, it is funny. One thing I can tell you is that so many towns and cities look exactly alike because I've traveled all over the country. And it's been the greatest experience of my life, but but it is it is what city are we are we in again? Because they all look alike. The only question right. is where's the Cracker Barrel? Where's the Waffle House? Doesn't matter what time of day or night we land. If there's a Waffle House, a Cracker Barrel that's open, an In and Out Burger that's open, I'm there. I'm in, and that's the first stop. Anybody that has ever traveled with me, you know, Linda, you can confirm this. What do I if I pass at two in the morning? We land somewhere. And I see a, a Waffle House. What's happening? I've actually been with you when we've landed at 2 and 3 in the morning, and you're asking me to find one. Find That's the correct. closest Waffle House. Please find it now. I'm starving. I'm like, okay. That's you, that, uh, those words have come out of my mouth quite often. I take everybody out. <laughs> but I, well, why you let? Well, but also. I was never you, even at one until you. I never heard of it before I was on a plane um, with you. Most of these places. Of course places. not, because you're from New York and Philly. What do you I know? I mean, you, Never. You, Never heard. Never of even walk. heard of it. You ever go? You ever go to a Cracker Barrel? Uh, not till I was with you. Let's oh. see. I've I've broadened your eating horizons. <laughs> you can always count on Cracker Barrel. Man, I'm. Right? I gotta agree with you. It's pretty. It was pretty amazing. I was like, oh, if this it's is breakfast, really good. it's got to be pancakes and bacon with the real maple syrup. 
I actually really like the store. If it's lunch or dinner. Yeah, the store is cool because it has like slinkies and all these old toys and all these old candies that we all grew up with, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, like Mary Jane's. Remember Mary Jane's and stuff like that? And Those Pez things are so And good. all these crazy candies that we used to eat as kids. At least I did. I mean, I'm a lot older than you. Um, but I, I love those places. And the They're people so are nice. Good. Then you get the orange soda, which is just a, just delicious. Yeah, the creamsicle soda. soda and root beer and Ugh. a bottle. It, it just is nothing better. But I do like how they tailor it, and it just feels very, like, as the caller was saying, it's, it's a very homey atmosphere. And, like, most people just want to be around their family, go home, do their thing. You do you, I'll do me, and everybody leave everybody alone. I mean, I think that's most people. Yeah, and I'm like most people, too. I go to the same places to eat, and I, I love it. I know we're getting off track here, but these are some of my favorite things, I guess you can say. Uh, anyway, Trent, God bless you, and we appreciate you being with us. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. We are loaded up. Uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Leo 2.0, Kevin McCarthy, Miranda Devine, the great one, Mark Levin, Rick Grinnell, J.D. Vance, Dan Bongino, and, yeah, the NFL announces that they will include the Black National Anthem and social justice messages again. Can we just bring everybody and unite everybody together? One nation, under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. We have one national anthem and singing it loudly and proudly and unapologetically. And keep politics out of sports. We'll have full coverage at 9. See you then. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.